Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard. Good afternoon. What a jam-packed program you've got for us today. Good afternoon, Mark. What have you got for us? Um, we've got Henry Jennings coming up in a moment to talk about um, what's happening in the market this week. And then we've got Nick Jackson um, from Van Eyck Funds Management to talk about exchange-traded funds, which are becoming very popular with investors these days. We've got the markets to have a look at this morning. Those commodities, what's been happening? Thanks, Mark. Well, the, the price of gold was up on the week by 4.6% to $1,627 an ounce. I knew I should have bought more yeah, gold. almost up $100 <laughs> an ounce. Um, you're glad you didn't buy any copper, though. That was down by 1.4% to $7,472 a tonne. And the price of Brent crude, which is the, the crude oil, was down by 2.3% to $66.03 a barrel. Does that mean our petrol's going down or am I just jumping the gun well, on that one? Well, it actually did go down for the week. Um, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, the currencies, the Australian dollar, the Australian dollar was down 0.3% to 76 cents. 76 US cents uh, last night. Um, the Great British Pound was down about 1% to the, on the week to 61p. And the euro, we were down about 0.2% to 71 euro cents for the week. So all our, all our currencies is depreciated on the week. So anyone who is travelling overseas, it's going to cost you more this week than last week. Of course it is. Of course we, <laughs> Except if you've got gold, you're okay. Except if you've got gold. <laughs> yeah, you can buy gold. Yeah. Buy gold blue. Yep, there's an exchange-traded fund that lets you buy gold wallet or Perth Mint. You can buy gold at Perth Mint. Um, and uh, the All Ordinaries Index, which is the Australian equities market, was down 1.6% on the week to 5,731. The US market, which we use the Stand and Pause 500, was down 1.3% to 2,348. And the UK index was down 1.2% to 7,324. So not a good week on the equity markets or, or lots of red ink. Um, the local, the, some of the local stocks that people have got interest in, um, BHP was down 4.7% to $23.92. Um, CBA was down 2.1% to $82.71. Um, the local health fund, which, uh, you know, when that demutualised, anyone who's still copped their shares has, has done quite well, um, was up 2.2% during the week to $5.55. Uh, Telstra was down 4.2% to um, $4.55. And what we want to talk about is the fuel price. Uh, the fuel price in Newcastle this morning was $116. Yeah, You're listening. I'm listening. $1.16 a litre, which is down 1.5% on the week. Of course, of course, and of course, I'd already filled up before that, so I'm in yeah. trouble. Well, in Sydney, was down three point five cent on the week to uh, one dollar and eleven cents a litre. So we're coming up to the holidays soon, so we'll see what happens then. And the diesel price in Newcastle was down five percent on the week to a dollar fifteen, and in Sydney was the same as last week at a dollar twenty one. Okay. So that's the commodities and the markets for the week, and we'll have Henry Jennings back to talk to us about what's happened over the past week. And on the line, it's Henry Jennings to talk about the markets. Henry, a bit of a quiet week in the markets this week? Um, well, it's certainly a quiet day today, Stephen. It oh. uh, was a bit, bit of interest yesterday. Oh, I meant announcements, not, not the trade. Oh, announcement-wise. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah there's, there's been one or two, I guess. We've had some uh, some good results from uh, a company called New Farm, which uh, is involved in uh, weed killer and, and uh, ag products. 
and we've also had some good results from uh, Sigma Pharmaceutical today. So there's one or two things happening yeah. out there at the moment. So the exciting thing is, is Downer EDI seems to want to buy the <laughs> the, uh, the private equity cast of Spotless. Yeah, the, this has been described by some as the worst corporate deal in history, which given that we've had some absolute shockers, um, I can think of Slater and Gordon's UK purchase, I can think of BHP's Petrahawk or Rio's Alcan purchase spring to mind, but this does seem to be um, up there. Well, certainly the, the jury is out, shall we say. Spotless Group, which was a private equity uh, company, they turned around and flogged to the unsuspecting um, punters, um, has been an absolute dog of a performer, and recently they were plunging to all-time lows. But along to the rescue came EDI Downer, which is a mining services company, and their share price is at an all-time high because they're doing quite well. Um, so they're, they're raising a lot of money through a share issue to pay for Spotless. And they're paying, I think it was 59% premium over the closing price for Spotless. Now, if I was a Spotless shareholder, I would be kissing the very ground that EDI uh, CEO is walking on and grabbing as much money from them as humanly possible and I'm walking off into the sunset because this was going to be a very long turnaround, if turnaround at all. And uh, EDI have uh, come over the hill like the 7th Cavalry um, and as I say, I would be pretty happy as a shareholder that they saved the day. So why do you think they're buying it? Um, that is a good question. I guess it, it fills a hole in their, um, their offering in terms, of, uh, in terms of a mining services company. They also do, you know, they do stuff with trains and maintenance and spotless services. Um, is uh, you know, caught up in the, um, in the service industry, mm-hmm. um, servicing um, stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it does seem a little weird one. Um, I mean, they're, they're pretty serious as well because um, they actually bought um, 20% of the company on the market, well, after the market closed, should we say, from institutions at the um, $1.15 share price, um, which is what they're offering. That's in cash. So it's an all-cash share ho- offer. It's, um, it's very generous. And... Um, but as I say, they're, they're pretty serious because having paid for twenty percent of the company, um, you know, if they walk away, um, it, it's not going to be good. So, um, mm, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. The, the uh, downer haven't come back yet from the um, from their suspension as they try and raise the uh, the capital, I guess, um, to do the deal. But uh, and there are some conditions, which is why the stocks trading below. The offer price it stops trading at a dollar six, and the offer price is a um, dollar fifteen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a bit of a way to go. But I, even at a dollar six, you've had a, a massive win, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, these guys provide laundry, linen services, facility management, vent catering. You know, you, these are the guys that sell you the, the meat pies and the warm beer when you go and see the cricket, mm-hmm. and charge you nine bucks for a for a mid mid strength uh, warm beer. So, you know, they're, they're pretty well known to people, and they, they've been suffering for a while shall we mm, say mm. and something that, that that's not suffering as bad tpg's half year result came out and it was up 11 percent to 224 mil yeah i mean it's a funny sector at the moment the tpg I've, i actually just got off the phone having an argument with vocus about oh, their yes. appalling nbn service which i currently have it when it rains we don't have the nbn which is really fantastic um especially as sydney has not stopped raining for the last month um but this is a sector that has been seriously underwater, um, if you pardon the 
extrapolation, but it has been seriously underwater. And the, the thought is, and I guess this is um, what TPG have come out and kind of uh, refuted in some ways in their numbers, is that the MBN does tend to level the playing field for all players, um, and it gives all these phone companies um, a, a sort of uh, access to the same infrastructure, which is what the government paid Telstra for, um, and then they can leverage off that in terms of, uh, you know, they pay 35 40 bucks for access to the NBN and they charge you 60 bucks uh, for the service, so they make 20 bucks. Um, it does seem like TPG are doing okay at this, but it is a very competitive environment. Um, you know, and the stock's fallen from over 12 bucks back down to, you know, it's halved basically in the, uh, in probably, you know, the last six months. So it was good to see some numbers that were um, positive. Um, they've still got some issues, have, as have uh, the whole sector in terms of um, this new environment, and we're all getting used to what it means. Um, but Vocus is the same. You know, they've dropped from 9 bucks to uh, to $4, and Telstra have dropped from uh, you know, over 5 whatever to four fifty. So um, a lot of these companies are under pressure. It does change the game, the NBN. It, and I think you know we're all just coming to terms with how... Um, you know, it is just a generic kind of service. You turn on the tap and hopefully it, um, water comes out, or in the case of NBN, uh, your internet comes out. And there's no real differentiation between being with TPG or with uh, Vocus or with Telstra or Optus, except on price. Um, and that does force a kind of a race to the bottom. The other problem a lot of these guys have got is um, the advent of unlimited data on your mobile phone, which is going to be interesting, which is happening in the U.S. and uh, is coming to a country near you soon. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yes, and Fontora, the world's largest dairy exporter, profits increased by two percent. Yeah, I think that was that. Was, I mean, dairy's um, some of our dairy companies had a big kick actually this week because the Chinese uh, government, which had been putting on some uh, restrictions, uh, some serious restrictions on how uh, goods were imported into China, and this had a massive effect on Bellamy's and Blackmore's and all those sorts mm-hmm. of stocks. Um, surprisingly, reversed that decision completely, um, and as a result, all those dairy stocks have gone a little bit silly. I think A2 Milk's up at 264 or something today. Um, that's an all-time high. Uh, Fonterra announced some numbers slightly better. I guess that does help. They're the world's biggest kind of uh, dairy company and, and basically own uh, most of New Zealand, I guess. Um, and they did keep the milk solid price steady, which is above ours. So there are some signs that uh, uh, things are turning around in the milk market, especially given these moves in China. Right, we might might just take a break here and come back and talk about uh, sure. Smiggle and Premier and and yeah. and how that's rescuing them. Oh, yeah. Henry, so Smiggle saved the day at Premier. It looks like it, doesn't it? I I have obviously missed this completely because I've, I don't have teenage girls um, who seem to be obsessed with the whole Smiggle thing, um, and every time I walk past the local Smiggle store. And there never seems to be anyone in it. So um, I'm, I'm always a bit confused. But, yes, it has saved the day. That Peter Alexander, the, uh, the, the upmarket pyjamas, it's certainly one of the, I guess, one of the bright spots, uh, bright spots, not spots, uh, bright spots in retailing at the moment. And there are very few bright spots in retailing at the moment. So um, it has been, uh, has been a great success story for, uh, for Solly Lou and Mark McGuinness around the premiere. Um, I do worry about um, how long it will go for, but at the moment um, they are riding high on this uh, this business. Right. And then 
Kathmandu, which which makes these uh, jackets out of recycled materials, is now going to look at uh, selling their products overseas after a, a, a profit rise of 6.4%. Yeah, they've had a go at this before, actually, to be honest, oh, they? Stephen, yeah. and, and it wasn't particularly successful. Oh, okay. um, they did try and do this in London, um, but um, they've decided that the, a better way to go is to kind of team up with um, international partners. I think they're looking at the German market at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, it's um, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting. The stock price has, has, has had a good rebound, but it has kind of been going nowhere for a little while. Um, I don't think this is the answer to their prayers. Um, you know, Kathmandu is a very weather-related stock. Mm-hmm. Um, it has two key periods of, uh, of selling stuff for Christmas and Easter. Um, we all rush into Kathmandu at Easter time and buy our fleeces and whatever for our Easter kind of break. And the same applies for Christmas with those January holidays when people go camping or adventuring. So uh, it can be very weather-dependent if we get some strange weather, um, and we're certainly having that at the moment. Um, it may dull sales of, of um, tents and things as people don't really want to go camping in the rain mm-hmm. um, unless they buy those expensive uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gore-Tex products, which maybe that's the answer for Kathmandu. But it's, it's not a stock that I really like, I must admit. Yeah, I mean, when, I, when we were overseas at Christmas, one of the things my son insisted on doing was going to the North Face store which is a competitor to uh, Kathmandu, and it's a huge store in New York and, and, and very expensive products, And but all the kids, all the teenage boys seem to want these North Face products. So I think I think it's a fashion industry stock and, you know, what's in fashion today might not be in fashion yeah. tomorrow. It's, um, now, North Face have done a, a very good job in getting their products out there. You know, it's amazing the number of celebrities Mm. Uh, you see that are wearing that North Face kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the padded jacket sort yep. of style. So that's what we had to get. They, yeah, well, you've got to get one of those. You've got to get one of those. Yeah, I couldn't afford it for myself, just a teenage boy. You're better off going to Bali and just buying a knockoff, Stephen. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> probably no difference at all. Same yeah, factory. Probably. And um, New Hope Coles came back with a big increase in profit from 2.7 million to 68.4. Yeah, I mean, hardly surprising, really. The, the coal price has been doing uh, been doing pretty well recently. Um, you know, along with all resources, coal was actually one, of, I guess, one of the first cabs off the rank in terms of resources as the Chinese closed some of their um, their coal production, which was um, uh, pumping out nasties into the atmosphere and uh, and was marginal production at best. So um, the coal price has done well. New Hope's done well, or No Hope, as I call them. Um, you know, Whitehaven's been a big success story, so you know it, it's good. But at the moment, we are seeing, I guess, a little bit of a um, the, the bubble in coal, iron ore, and other commodities being burst a little bit. At least some of the air coming out due to uh, some concerns about the pace of uh, reform and uh, tax cuts, etc., from uh, from Mr. Trump in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And hedge funds seem to be short selling uh, the TFS Sandalwood, the Sandalwood Company. Yeah, this is this is actually quite a big story, I guess. Um, you know, the the, um, the shorters have got their feet well and truly into this one. There's a company in in California called uh, Glocus, which has written a 40-page report on uh, on TFS, as it was called. It's now called Quintus, um, which is a sandalwood company. Um, and unusually for a broker report or a research piece, they have put a valuation on the company of zero. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that this is actually a Ponzi scheme and will go the same way as Great Southern and Timbercorp. Now, I've read the report, and it is quite a, an in-depth, extensive report, and I'm no analyst, but it 
speaking to Tiki Fullerton on TV tonight about it. So this is this is kind of a massively uh, ramped up, aggressive move from these guys. Um, they've now the reports now public. Um, they've obviously been using that as a as a way to get their position set. Um, and now it's public. Of course, everyone's joined in, um, and it's been sort of fair game. We've got the stock down. Uh, nearly 15% today. It was down 9% yesterday. Um, it has been an absolute dog uh, for some time, um, and um, it's certainly a very a new aggressive move, and I think there's a few CEOs around the country that would be a little bit concerned that uh, this kind of new US-style aggressive shorting um, that we haven't really seen much in Australia um, will come to these shores. Certainly, uh, you know, some of our sh- stocks are heavily shorted, um, but it's unusual for a research piece to say that the value is zero. Zero. I remember yeah. someone did that once before with uh, Adesteam Group, I think. Um, yeah, that was a long I remember that one. Yeah. That was a long time. That was when analysts actually had opinions that uh, weren't always in, uh, in keeping yeah. with their corporate teams. But uh, you know, we've seen it with uh, a lot of American houses have done the same with, uh, with some of the Chinese stocks, which they've called out as uh, hoaxes. Um, and in some cases, they've been very right. Um, I had a subscriber asking me if this is fraud, and I, you know, I said that maybe, maybe it is, but you know, they're operating within the letter mm. of the law at the moment. Um, it's, it, is it any different from uh, from Warren Buffett um, you know, buying Apple shares and then going on telly and saying, oh, "America's great, and I love Apple shares," and everyone pushes mm. Apple shares oh, up? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned your newsletter. What, 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 what actually is in the newsletter? So much information, so much, so much. Every day we publish so much stuff, uh, stock recommendations. Working um, your fingers to the bone, Henry. Working my little fingers to the bone on that uh, on that keyboard. So, uh, yeah, if, if anyone's interested, um, they can go to marcustoday.com.au and sign up for a two-week free trial and see what we have to offer. But, uh, yeah, we do produce uh, produce it every day, and it's, um, it's a pretty comprehensive uh, roundup of what's going on in the world of finance. Hi, Nick. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. So, so... You know, exchange-traded funds we hear about, and, and they're becoming one of the fastest-growing investment products, but what, what actually is an exchange-traded fund? Well, an exchange-traded fund, well, ETF stands for exchange-traded fund, as you just rightly pointed out. They are a type of investment which can be bought and sold like a share on the stock market through, you know, like a stock broker, a stock broker or an online trading account. Typically, ETFs are a passive investment which track a, uh, the price move of a basket of shares. Uh, and they're normally considered to be an easy tool for investors to diversify their investments, and, and they normally have a lower fee than traditional managed funds. At the moment in the Australian market, there's about 154 ETFs listed, and they account for about $26 billion. Right. So you said there's uh, 124 ETFs listed. So what, what do they typically invest in? Well, there's a number of different types of ETFs, some that track, say, the Australian market, like the ASX 200, so there's ETFs that do that, some that track international markets, like the American market, like the S&P 500, and then you also, when you drill down, you can get sector or industry ETFs, such as banking sector ETFs or resources. Then there are commodities, which track, a, a, say, a basket of commodities like gold. You have bond ETFs, income ETFs. So there is a large and varying uh, basket of types of ETFs available. So, for example, if someone wanted to invest in the U.S., one way they could do this would be to, to buy an ETF? 
Yeah, by all, yeah, certainly. And, and it's a one-trade solution. Rather than buying all the different stocks on the, on the U.S. market, one easy trade, and um, you get one exposure to the U.S. market. Right. So, so and similarly, you mentioned that there's a, 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 a ETF that replicates the U.S. Uh, the U.K. market, so you can do that as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. There, there are the FTSE 100 as well as the S&P 500, which we hear about on the news quite a lot. Right. So, so, so people who, who want to follow the index can just buy an ETF and, and the return on that will be, what, the same as the index? Or yeah, it certainly is. You know, um, lots of people obviously watch the news uh, at 6 o'clock and they see that the ASX 200 has gone up a percent or down a percent. You can physically buy an ETF which will track that index. Okay. So, so typically, how how do people use these in a portfolio? I mean, it's it's good to say that you can buy the index, but what happens? What do they? What do people usually use these for other than buying an index? Yeah, um, a lot of people, or the traditional way people have used ETFs within a portfolio, is that whole core satellite approach whereby they may use, say they had $50,000, they may use $50,000 as the core, so they buy, say, an ASX 200 ETF, and then with the remaining $50,000, they might buy individual stocks such as CBA, Woolworth, BHP. So you get the market return or the ASX 200 return from half your money and then use the other half of money trying to generate more performance for you depending on what uh, stocks you like at the time. Oh, okay, so you can kind of blend these with your existing portfolio. Yes, certainly. Uh, and to, to get a broader exposure and, and further diversification. And I suppose that comes to, to, if you want to, you know, you've got an Australian equities portfolio, but it's mm. all very hard to invest overseas. You know, it's particularly mm. in the US, it's quite difficult. You can just, just buy a, a, an ETF to get exposure to the overseas markets instead of a managed fund, which is what people have traditionally done. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, if, if you, going back to your point, it is generally very hard to get exposure to individual stocks on the U.S., uh, in the Europe and the like. So ETFs do give you that exposure and at a lot lower and a more transparent cost than your traditional managed funds do. Yeah, so, so what are the, some of the benefits of the ETFs again? Yeah, there are a number of them. You know, first of all, if you look at cost-effectiveness, um, if you go onto your online broker and you're paying $40 as a minimum to buy any individual stocks, say CBA or Woolworths, you know, if you buy an ETF over the ASX 200, it's one cost you're going to be charged. And, you know, and ETFs typically have a lower management fee than your, you know, your typical managed fund. They're transparent. So any time, any point uh, during the day, you can see exactly what you're holding. Typically, they're more tax-effective than your your traditional managed fund because there is less turnover because it is considered a passive investment. You know, diversification, rather than buying just one line of CBA, BHP, or any one stock, you get an instant exposure to a suite of stocks. And, you know, liquidity is very important as well. You've got market makers there that make the market for you, and you will have no issue actually getting in or out of the market to trade these ETFs as well. Okay, so if you if you bought an ETF over the ASX 200, for example, you can, you can go onto the ASX website and see exactly what's in the ASX 200. Yep, certainly can. Yeah, or so onto if you go onto the issuers website. Yep. So the ASX 200, there is a there's an ETF called STW. So if you went on to State Street uh, website, you'd be able to see exactly what you're holding and what percentage you're holding it. 
And similarly, there's an ETF, that, uh, Equal Weight Markets ETF, that, that instead of um, weighted to market capitalisation, um, lets you invest equally across the ASX 300. So you can, you, have, you can actually see how many proportion of your investment you've got in each of those 300 stocks as well. Yeah, certainly there is. Yeah, yeah. So there is different methodology of the way you build uh, ETFs. Uh, we have, as you mentioned, an equal weight strategy. So rather than taking a market cap weighted where the biggest companies get the biggest allocation of your money, we've equally weighted 83 companies with the same amount in each stock rather than taking that market cap approach. Okay. So what just finishing up for the last minute or so, yeah. what, what should people look at, look at when they're looking at... Um, um, ETFs, because I know there's some ETFs that basically invest in the same thing. Yeah, certainly. You want to you want to probably first of all look at who your ETF issuer is, how long they've been in the market, how big the ETF is, uh, and you know what's the history of that issuer. You know the company that's issuing the ETF. Secondly, you probably want to be looking at if you're looking at an individual ETF, is it fully replicated? And what I mean by that is. The underlying stocks, is your issuer buying all those stocks or are they synthetically producing the performance of that stocks by using some financial instrument, let's say? Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so for a simple product, they're, they're really quite complex once you start to get down to understand what's happening underneath the surface. Completely, yeah. And you do really want to get to understand. You need to be comfortable with what you're investing in, obviously. So have a look, uh, see what you're investing in, make sure you're really comfortable with the underlying basket of stocks, what you're looking at and what you're buying, and, and then obviously the fees as well, what you're going to be paying. Because there is a large variance in fees. Uh, you might have two similar products in the market, and they might have two different prices. So that's another thing you need to look at, what costs you're going to be paying. Okay, thanks for that, Nick. No problem, Steve. Thank you very much. That's Nick Jackson. He's the Business Development Manager for Vanek, New South Wales and Queensland. Stephen Pritchard, another Thursday finance. We've done it. It's happened. Another Thursday's finished. Uh, and you back next week? You'll have Jane back next week. Jane's back back next from week. holiday, so she'll be all fresh to look after you. Thank you once again for your time. That is Thursday finance with Stephen Pritchard. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.